here you are again, Omid. I, I, I wish I knew how you think in the middle of the night because you keep coming up with these beautiful books. <laughs> Thank you, Arrow. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a wild five or six years covering the Royals. Absolutely. So much has happened. And, you know, I think with this one, I didn't think I would be writing it so soon, but I think after we celebrated the life and legacy of the Queen, it felt like the right time to kind of pull back and look at where we're we're at with the British family. Well, I, family. I, I love the way that you start the book off by picking it up right there with Queen Elizabeth. I mean, because, I mean, we have been a part of this my entire life. I mean, I've, I this would be in the National Enquirer. I didn't have you as a kid. <laughs> well, exactly. And I think it's so it's so difficult to really kind of un, to, to, to know where we're at with the royal family when so much of the coverage revolves around the kind of the soap opera of the story and you know ultimately this is an institution and establishment that sits at the at the head of our country and so it felt like the right time to question the kind of role the purpose the relevancy of the british royal family in 2023 and ask the question that i think so many have been afraid to ask for so many years, which is, does it still have a place? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hence the name Endgame, correct? Correct. And and listen, this isn't me saying or declaring the end, but I do feel we've reached a kind of point in the road where the end of the royal family as we know it is certainly a risk. And you only need to look at European monarchies of the past to see that one of those turns in the road takes you to complete irrelevancy. It turns you into a tourist attraction. Um, and I think that the British royal family have so much more to offer than that. But I think some modernization, some changes, some accountability needs to happen along the way. And yet, and yet, Omid, I, I was the guy that was so glued to that television set when he became King Charles. I cried like a baby. I'm an American, and it's like, this has nothing to do with me, but oh my God, this is happening in my time. Well, I think, listen, I felt exactly, I, I got the goosebumps. I was there covering the coronation in, in London, and, you know, it's it's hard not to be swept up in mm-hmm. the pageantry the the kind of the theatrics of it all and it was a kind of theatrical production it was a fantastic soundtrack the the royals really know how to put on a big ticket show but at the same time one has to also look at what goes on in between those what goes on behind the palace walls and i think that for so many years with the queen she was almost like this kind of like ring of protection around the royal family the mystique and mystery that she brought to the institution protected so many others um, within it. Without her, we now have a monarch whose life we know warts and all. Same for Queen Camilla. It's very different to the queen who we really knew nothing about what she thought or felt beyond horse racing. Yeah, see, I thought for sure that that they would become more uh, brilliant with their speaking. They, but they, it seems like they've retreated a little bit. And because, or or is it that we're we're they're hidden behind this this drama between William and Harry? Yeah, I think. You know, listen, it, it's certainly for, in, in Charles's for Charles. We've certainly seen him have to pull back on some of the things that we really liked about him. Yeah. You know, as a Prince of Wales, he was 
a little edgy. He pushed on issues in environmental advocacy in a way that we hadn't seen other royals do. And I think that that will always be his legacy. As the king, he's had to come in and almost take on an almost administrative role. You know, he can't be as vocal about those things in the past. So you're right. There has been this kind of like retreat when it comes to speaking so openly and publicly. But as you mentioned, the the kind of soap opera of the story, the the family feuds, the ongoing wars between family members, particularly William and Harry, do continue to overshadow so much. And you know, listen, for an institution that once was supposedly the perfect example of British family, traditional family values, one has to then question is like, are these people actually doing anything to uphold those? Or have they been kind of swallowed up by personal PR agendas and petty wars between each other. Right, right. I, I can't be the only one who sees the Christmas card that Queen Camilla and King Charles put out, and I'm going, wait a second, I'm so used to seeing both of you in beautiful suits and dresses. I'm not used to the to the, the, to the crown on your head. Is that going to take just more time for me to, to kind of get into that culture? You know, I think certainly we always knew King Charles was going to happen. Yeah. And I, that he was the longest intern ever <laughs> in royal history. <laughs> With Camilla, it's taken some getting used to because, listen, it was when, when she married Charles, the, the palace told the world that she would be known as the princess consort. And that was a way to kind of softly introduce her as kind of like the wife of the monarch or the future monarch. Then the queen, after her jubilee, said, well, actually, she'll become the queen consort. And then, obviously, the coronation happened and she just became the queen. And I think for many people, whilst we um, certainly are used to her now being on the throne, I don't know if the public or the nation have truly universally accepted her Mm -hmm. in that role. And so... If anything, she's been under the most pressure. And I think it's been good for her because we have seen her do the work. You know, she's the one that has her hands on some of the kind of tougher issues when it comes to her royal duty. She focuses on domestic violence and um, literacy amongst children, things that I think that have real impact in the nation. But listen, I don't think that that Christmas card was a coincidence. It was once again a reminder to the nation and to the yeah, world yeah. that these two are on the throne. Yep, yep. Do you think that the social media has run away from the good things that they're doing and they're concentrating so much on the bad because it becomes great clickbait? Yeah, you know, I think for the, particularly for the British media, who many would argue, particularly the print press, are kind of on their last legs, you know, that the media landscape has shifted and changed dramatically. The royal story is the one thing that still brings eyes to the page, Mm -hmm. uh, sells copies on the newsstand and gets clicks. And for the majority of the time, that story is about the drama, the soap opera of it all. And we haven't seen much done within the family to prevent some of that from being the case. You know, Charles may be a great monarch, but certainly hasn't been able to convene and command his own family when it comes to some of these ongoing feuds and wars and fractures that we've seen play out so publicly. And then William himself, you know, a man who I remember when I started on this in 2011, 
hated the press more than his yeah. own brother yeah. has now become so consumed with his own public image and his own media coverage that he's resorted to working directly with them to almost a dangerous level whereas i describe in the book he's been meeting with newspaper editors in britain himself to not only give his own stories but also information about his brother prince harry wow and so this is where the family falls apart in terms of functioning like a normal family mm. these are individuals who are so concerned with their own images that they'll do anything to make make them shine um, and that's one of the things that the queen never got involved in she was always above the fray she never cared about polls she never cared about negative coverage and it shows because did we ever hear about her falling out with the family member? Right. Did we ever see her getting caught up in the petty tabloid dramas? Did we ever see sources speaking on her behalf anonymously? No. A moment in my life that I'll never forget is that when she spoke of the COVID lockdown and how, how important it was to do what we needed to do with COVID-19, I listened to her. I still hold yeah. her speech inside my heart because I felt like that she, if she's speaking this, it's got to be true. Yeah. Wasn't that, I mean, I, I think for most people, the feeling was exactly the same despite the fact that she is Britain's monarch, that she is only monarch across 14 Commonwealth realms, she really spoke as a world leader at mm -hmm. that time. And I think that one of the things that was so great about the queen was that, A, she was always complete, as all royals should be, but she really adhered to it. She was apolitical. We never knew her views on anything. She was mystery in many ways. And mm -hmm. so we were able to project onto her what we needed from her. She was able to be the person that we thought of her as. And I think that was one of the things that made the royal family so powerful on the world stage, um, the ability to convene um, in a way that I think that many public figures, particularly politicians, are failing to do in this day and age. But I think that when you look at other royal family members, let's take King Charles, for example, would it have been the same if King Charles sat down and spoke to the nation about the COVID pandemic? Would we have felt exactly the same? Or do we know too much about him? Is yeah. his life too known to us? Is the mystique and mystery gone for it to feel like it's coming from someone that really holds a place in our hearts? Mm -hmm. I got to ask you a personal question, Omid, because because you're so dynamic when it comes to sharing this story. I was with Joan Collins yesterday and she spoke of a time where she asked uh, uh, Princess Margaret a question and, and everybody was taken back by it because you're not supposed to ask royalty questions. Do you face <laughs> this as well? I mean, I listen, I, I am no different to Joan in that respect. I will ask <laughs> as many questions as I can when I'm presented with a member of the royal family. And listen, as I talk about in the book, there have been many times over the years where we have private drinks receptions with the royals, where we have kind of off-the-record meetings with them. And, you know, this is all part of that kind of dance between the media and the royal family. It's kind of we do what we can to maintain the access and they do what they can to keep that relationship cozy. But yeah, absolutely. I remember having a, a really striking conversation with Prince William, actually, um, when he was still working as an air ambulance pilot. 
and we were talking about mental health and this was just when he was starting to get interested in the subject and i said that i asked him had the job affected his own mental health and he spoke about coming home after a long shift he would often sit down, need to take a few minutes away from his family, from Kate, from everyone, just to sit in front of the TV mm -hmm. for a few moments, maybe have a cry, maybe get his thoughts together before he was able to kind of pick himself up and then be a husband, to be a father. And, and it was that candidness, that level of just honesty that really stood out to me because and I wish that we saw more of that yes. from William yeah. publicly. Yeah. Um, it's the the part of him that reminded me of his mother, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm so with you on that. In fact, I was going to go into a question based on the women, uh, Camilla and Kate and Megan. Do you think that the rebuilding of the dynasty in its way needs to start with them? Get them together. Get them to and let us see them in the community and being with real people and so that we can fall back in love with the royal family. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at the popularity of the Queen, arguably more popular than the royal family themselves. And you then look at King Charles, who is very, compared to the Queen, almost unpopular. Yeah. And you then look at the popularity of William and Kate, which is actually really hard. And there's been very little collaboration between William and Kate and Charles and Camilla when it comes to perhaps two very popular individuals helping boost the popularity of two not as popular individuals. And it's been interesting to see the royals kind of almost working in silos from one another. Unlike the queen, who was always about the bigger picture, it was always about the crown, it was never about her. We have individuals who are more focused on perhaps their own uh, their own publicity, their own PR agendas. And I don't think that that does a service to the royal institution as a whole. We need to see this family come together. Mm -hmm. We still, it stands out to me that more than a year than from taking the throne, we've still not seen William and Charles do any engagements together. They've never stepped out together in a collaborative way. And I think that for a family that once was representative of traditional British family values, it would be nice to see some of that restored. Yeah, even if they go out hunting together. I, I just want to see them together. That's all I want. I, I want to see some family action here. Well, listen, you've got you've got Christmas coming up at Sandringham. <laughs> we will see all of the family members step out for that Christmas church service um, that we famously see them for every year. And I think that given the years that they've had, you know, this is, you know, Charles has now su su successfully completed a year on the throne, but there have been trials and tribulations along the way, including this book. I would imagine that this will be a real show of unity, whether that's authentic or not almost doesn't matter but the, the the message that will be sent out is a united front yeah the name of the book is Endgame my question is is that what would happen if it is the end because I, I think that would change the world I think it would change history we would we would be missing out on something that has been such a major part of our lives a love story of sorts yeah you know people questioned the name of this book. I think a lot of people thought I was declaring the end of right. the royal family. I simply believe that we're just at this kind of juncture in the road where you only need to look at other European monarchies to see that 
they can quickly go from glory onto a path of irrelevancy or simply becoming a tourist attraction. Right. And I think that for the British royal family, they're dangerously close to a place in which that could potentially be the future for them, unless changes are made. You know, with the Queen, she upheld a certain line of morals, ethics, and values that I think it would be nice to see the current royals also striving to achieve. But instead, when we look at the way Harry and Meghan were treated and pushed out. We look at the actions of Prince Andrew. We look at the kind of warts and all life that we know of Charles and Camilla. I don't see those same things represented that we celebrated in the Queen. And for and for, for our current monarch and his wife to be the head of the Church of England is incredibly important to at least be able to represent it on that level. So I think it's fair to at least ask these questions. I know in the UK, this book has been particularly divisive. It's been <laughs> polarizing. My my view is that we, we fund these members of the family. We fund their work, their public endeavors. And so we should be able to scrutinize them in the same way we do the politicians that we also fund in the, in this country. Is it strange for me to love the idea that Prince Harry is here in, in, in America? I love that he's here. I love that he's trying to be a father and a husband. I just, there's just something very inspiring with his ambition. Yeah, and it's so interesting to hear you say that because I think that that does seem to be an opinion I often hear here in the US. There's an admiration for someone that can go stand up against the system and even if everything is coming back at you in full force, do what's right for yourself and for your family. And he did it at great cost. You know, he not only is has nothing to do with the royal family anymore. He lost that role that he loved, that he found himself in, but he also has no relationship with his family anymore. Right. He's also become extremely unpopular in the UK as a result of it, largely down to the way in which the press have covered this. The press are in the pockets of members of the royal family, but he did what was right for himself, his wife and his children, and there's something to admire about that. Wow. You've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you, sir. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? And thank you for dedicating the book to those who have followed you and supported you over the years. You you really showcase a true love for those that have been there for you. Well, you know, I listen, I've always been a royal correspondent who's tried to cover the story from a slightly different perspective, even if it has been controversial at times. So it means a lot when people do want to hear those other sides of the stories beyond the pomp and pageantry and glamour of the royal family. Yeah, wow. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? Thanks so much. Happy holidays.